absolutely beginning to move in the hearts of people that were desperate to have and to know more of their Heavenly Father. Desperate. Isn't it amazing that when I see young men, and I've ministered to them many, many times, they're raised up with a single parent, and yet something inside of them drives to say and said to me many times, I want to know who my daddy is. I want, to, I want to find my dad. And a lot of them have found their dad. Do you know there's nothing wrong with that? Because when you're born in this earth, as you grow up, there is inbred within you, in your spirit, man, I want to know my father. I want to find my father. Because when we're born, we're born as an orphan. But then he adopts us because he loves us so much. He, he paid the greatest price to come get us. To some, come save us and deliver us and set us free. And so many times we forget about the Father. If Jesus was standing here right now, we would all fall on our face. We would worship him, but he would say stand up and he would point us to the Father. Because he'll tell you, he said, I came to bring you back into relationship with my Father. To bring you back in relationship with us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that drives each and every one of us. Sooner or later, we're going we're gonna to realize that this world has nothing to offer us. And it ends up empty, unfulfilled. But when you come to know Him and you never stop seeking Him and you never stop spending time with Him, oh my gracious, there's just a feeling that takes place constantly. I don't know about you, but in this dry world and in this wilderness, I need to be filled up on a daily basis. I need to be filled up on a daily basis. And it's important that we understand that in this day and time, when we're seeing so many that are departing from the faith because of all the distractions, all the pull, magnetic pull of this world, that the devil's trying to do everything he can to isolate us, to separate us, because he knows a house divided cannot stand. He knows a people divided cannot stand. He knows that America divided cannot stand. So he's trying to separate us as a church because he knows a church divided cannot stand. And so in unity and harmony, we're the most powerful force on the earth. There is no other entity on the earth that has the keys of the kingdom to bind and to loose and to set people free and to set humanity free so they can walk into their God-given destiny and purpose and meaning to life. To do that, you got to continue to pursue Him. you got to seek Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And you do that, you'll never, ever, never can you be dissatisfied when you partake of Him, eat of Him, drink of Him, the fountain. So we do that on a daily basis. 
And you do that on a daily basis. By the time you come and assemble together, as God said, to assemble together, I'm telling you, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would be amazing. But if you come in full of the things of the world, when you go to a restaurant with friends and you're full, you don't feel like eating. You may nibble a little bit, but you won't partake of what is offered and what is there. But I'm telling you, when you come hungry, oh my gracious, I knew Pastor Scott was going to take us to the chop house. So Tave and I, all the way here, nine hours, ten hours, we're just nibbling. Because we know what was going to be prepared. We know what was there. So when we got there, I looked at him, he looked at me, and he said, are you hungry? I said, I'm hungry. I said, I am real hungry. I'm ready to be fed. And that's the way we should come to church. We should come to church. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for Him. I'm hungry and I'm thirsting for Him. Come into this place and get filled up. So listen to this. So you can go out there and empty out again on all the people. All the people who need a touch from Him. Come back. Get filled up again. Go back out. Pour out on folks. Because they need it. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before, Before I actually get started today, I want to say something to Bishop. I look at these. Bishop Pat. Lady Deb, who we love very, very much, and continue to pray, believe God, your best friend there, Bishop Harvey, and just um, love both of you dearly. Uh, and I just want to say, Bishop, this morning when I was when I was praying and um, just interceding, just praying in the Spirit and just interceding. Um, the thing that the Lord brought to my remembrance was this. 30 represents, in Hebrew, in the Bible, it represents optimism. It It represents creativity, and it represents moving forward into another season. But it also... It also represents a new beginning, a new experience that had not been there previously. And so when the Lord was bringing this to my heart, I remember that it was at 30 years old, 30, that the priests began to minister to the Lord because he, he, he was looking for the maturity and in those aspects. Then I remember that it was at 30 that Joseph was chosen by Pharaoh to reign. And, and then I remember at 30, John the Baptist started his ministry. Then I remember at 30, Jesus started his ministry. 
And, and I, began to, I began to look at, 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 at that number. And, and, and as I began to look at that number, I, I just want to share with you what God just put in my heart for you, for both of you. Start being optimistic and start seeing ahead of you, not what's behind you. Not what has been, but start looking ahead because this 30 represents a new season of ministry. And the Lord put in my heart and said, as Hezekiah turned his head and turned his face to the wall and said, Lord, this is not my time. Lord, please, Lord, I've got more to do. You've even prayed and asked God that. And you've even questioned, is this, is this? No, it's not. And the Lord says, this is a new season. And yes, He is. You are recovering. You are healing. You are recovering. You are healing. And there are many lives and many pastors and many other people that you are going to affect before the Lord allows you to come home. So don't ask him to bring you home. Step out. And, and not only that, he's going to restore your voice. It's going to be stronger than ever. It's going to be stronger than ever. And you're going to see it in Jesus' name. You're going to see it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I know Pastor Scott has been teaching on hunger. And I just want to say to you that that is exactly where the Holy Spirit has the church today. I am hearing brand new songs from artists that are beginning to go back and sing, Jesus, you're the center of it all. Uh, Tave and I put on a, 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 a pulled up uh, this morning on, um, on iTunes and there was a brand new album out, and we turned it on this morning because we know this young man is a worshiper, and we, we turned it on. All he was talking about was hunger. All he was singing about was hunger. What I'm hearing internationally from pastors right now is there is a new hunger, a fresh hunger that is stirring in the hearts of God's people. And I believe that that hunger is bringing us into a place that we are seeking Him like never before because in reality, it is preparing us for these last days that we are living in right now. And the Bible tells us that these last days will be the toughest days that has literally has ever been seen. The Apostle Paul said that in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. He said, in the last days it will be grievous, tough, hard times, difficult, violent times. And then he begins to list the reason why. He begins to list characteristics of human beings. And he begins to say, this is why that it's going to be very tough and hard in the last days. And the first thing he says is that men will be lovers of themselves. 
lovers of themselves. And then he comes down and he says that there will be people that are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But they have a form of godliness. They show up at church. They have a form of godliness, but you know as well as I do, a mannequin is only a form. I mean, I, I, I've been in apartment stores and the mannequins look so real. I literally one time turned and asked this mannequin. I was embarrassed. I'm glad that nobody was around because I looked like a fool. But, but, but I, I literally turned to a mannequin and I said, Sir, uh, no matter what I said, no matter what I would do, the mannequin is only a form. It's not real. We cannot have a form of godliness. We must have the real godliness. The godliness that comes from, number one, being born again, but number two, seeking God with all of our heart. And the one thing that I am very concerned about, and, and, and my wife and I have been uh, uh, praying about, is, is that we're seeing a lack of hunger. Now listen to what I'm saying. A lack of hunger, not for the blessings of God, but for God and His Word. Because if all we do is seek the hand of God, and all we go after is what He can give to me, and what I can get from Him to satisfy my flesh, to satisfy my longing uh, to have things so I can impress people, then what, what, what I'm doing is I'm asking God to bless me and give me all the things that He wants to give me so that I can be glorified. So that glory and honor will come to me. So that reputation will come to me. So that people will affirm me and people will, will look to me. Instead of me pointing everybody back, only God. God gave me this. God blessed me with this. This blessing is from my heavenly Father. This, this blessing is from my God. God. God turned this around. I didn't turn it around. God turned it around. God is the one who gave me this. I, I, didn't, I didn't earn this myself even though I'm working, but God is the one who gave me the work. I, I didn't get this promotion so that I could be seen and people could talk about me. This promotion did not come from what I did, even though I did it. Promotion does not come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Promotion, the Bible says, comes from God. And when God promotes me, I'm going to promote Him. I'm going to let everybody know it was, it was Him. But listen, if, if, if all I'm doing is seeking what God can give me, if that's it, then the Bible says, and here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, He gave them the desires of his, their heart, but sing, sent leanness into their soul. Sent leanness into their soul. And, and, and it also says in Psalms 106, it, it, it says this. He says, he said, they praised him and worshipped him and gave him thanks, but they soon forgot him and his word and began to pursue their own path, began to pursue their own things for their own lives. 
But every time that they would do that and get out on their own, they always failed. They were successful at first, but then all of a sudden the enemy would come in and steal everything they had. Everything we've got, everything in our lives has got to center around Him. 100%. And we cannot be ashamed in any way, shape, or form in this world today to be around people and not brag on our God. We cannot live for affirmation of people who really don't like you anyway. And get things, get all the things that you can to impress people who don't like you anyway. And believe those commercials on television like as, as if you're going to get a car and pull up at the stoplight and every restaurant and every place, every business, everybody's going to run out to see your car. People running into each other on the sidewalk. No, nobody's stopping. Nobody's looking. That's right, nobody cares. <laughs> the only time they care is when you got more stuff than they got, and it stirs up envy and jealousy on the inside of them. And if you allow them, they will take what you have. Some people even kill you for it. I mean, some people will beat you up just because you got Michael Jordan shoes. And take them off of you. But that's exactly what we see in the world because the enemy is the God of this world. The little G, he is the little God of this world. And the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if all I'm, if all I'm doing is seeking things, all if I'm doing is seeking affirmation and glory for myself, I'm going to end up dissatisfied. I'm going to end up with leanness of soul, I'm going to be disillusioned with Christianity, and I'm going to end up becoming lukewarm, anemic, weak, complacent, and double-minded, a double-minded Christian. And I'll end up being pathetic. And God has not called us to be pathetic. He has called us to be prophetic. What is hunger? Think about this. It is, this is the definition, the painful sensation or the state of weakness caused by the need of food, a strong, compelling desire or craving for craving. The question we have to ask ourselves, even right now, sitting in here today, what are we craving for? What are we really hungry for? There is a physical hunger and there is a spiritual hunger. The enemy will do everything he can to satisfy your craving, and all of that is external. God has brought to us the Holy Spirit and given to us His Word to satisfy that which is, that which is internal, that which is craving for what sometimes we don't know, that is God. It is craving that after we get born again, then the Holy Spirit comes in, connects with our spirit, and together with those two, now there's a craving inside to know my Heavenly Father. Yeah. 
But there's also a craving and a hunger on the inside to not only know Him, but to know His Word that He is giving me. Because it's by His Word that all my life is going to be fulfilled. It's by His Word we're even saved. We're saved by the incorruptible Word of God. And the children of Israel, and, we, and by the way, let me just say this. We can't just come to church to have a meal and then not eat Monday through Saturday. And think that we can spiritually just live off the food that Pastor Scott gives us, that pastors give us, teachers give us, whoever's preaching or teaching gives us, you can learn, you can be discipled off of that, but you cannot satisfy that longing on the inside of you with just one meal a week. That's what God told the Israelites. He said the only way to, for you to live and have true success is you must have a hunger and a craving for me and you must have a hunger and craving for my word which is God's will for our lives. Listen to what God told the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. And by the way, when he brought them out of Egypt, he brought them out healed, healthy, whole, unbelievable revival, unbelievable manifestation and move of God. Not one, not one of them were sick or weakly. Everybody was healed. No matter what they were experiencing, no matter what they were going through, he brought them out with healing. But not only did he bring them out with healing, the Egyptians gave them all of their gold, all of their silver, everything they had in the house. They gave it to them and said, here, we don't want it anymore. Just take this and get out. They came out of Egypt. They had been in bondage and slavery for 400 years. And they came out singing and rejoicing, healed, healthy, whole. They came out prosperous beyond anybody's wildest imagination. And then what did God do? God led them into a wilderness. And it's amazing because you think, why the wilderness? Listen to what God said. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. This is Deuteronomy 8 uh, verse 2. I want you to look at this. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. In other words, God said, I'm bringing you into a place where you are going to have to depend on me. I'm going to teach you that you're not going to be self-sufficient in yourselves. Even though even though I have blessed you and prospered you, even though I have given you all of these things, that now you're the envy of Egypt. But he said, but I'm, I'm leading you the in, in, into this wilderness. I'm, I'm leading you into this dry, horrid place, which is just like the world we live in today. This world is a wilderness. This world has no water or no food that can quench your deepest thirst and satisfy your greatest hunger. 
It, can't, it, it cannot, no matter, no matter what it offers you, no matter how motivational it is, no, no, no matter how much money you get, no matter what you achieve or you accomplish, anything that's happened externally will give you a temporary happiness and a temporary high, but it cannot satisfy the very deep longing on the inside of you. There is no human being on this earth that you will marry or relationships that you can have can satisfy the deepest longing and hunger that you have on the inside of you. Religion can't do it. Only an intimate relationship with your God, with the God who created you, I'm not talking, there is no other God except the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no other God. I mean, you see people get down and start worshiping idols. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. But our God, our God, He speaks, He leads, He guides, He directs, he provides, He heals, He delivers. That's my God. That's my God. And He's greater than anything and everyone in the whole world. And He personally, He personally chose each and every one of us. Oh my gracious. That's the reason I love the word adopted. Because when you adopt someone, you walk into a place and you walk and you start looking. And as you're looking, all of a sudden, something happens in here and you look and say, that one right there. Oh, that one right there. That one. And I'm telling you, God walked into your life and said, that one. That one right there. That one right there. That one right there, that one right there, that one, that one, that one right there. I love it because he said, go get them, Holy Spirit. Go get them. Go get them. He said, you shall remember the Lord your God who led you. Remember. Remember when you got saved? Remember how he started leading you? Remember the mistakes that you made? But he still led you. He still forgave you. He's still there. You may have failed many times, but you're not a failure. My identity is not in this world. My identity is in the God who saved me and delivered me and set me free. Why? Because He is love. He is unconditional love. Nobody can love me unconditionally except the one who is love. Nobody can love you like him. But when you receive that love and you allow him to love you and you start operating out of that love, then you can love others just like he loves you. But you can't love others the way you want to love them without him. Without to know him intimately and to know him personally. And, and, and it's not just the day that you got saved. Oh, yeah, I got saved 
40 years ago. Glory to God. But my question is, in that 40 years, how much more do you know Him? Because He desires to walk with you and to talk with you on a daily basis. That's what He did in the Garden of Eden. He showed up every single day. And it was every single day that He showed up that Adam and Eve would have more of a revelation deeper. They would go deeper and deeper and God would reveal more and more of Himself to them. When we get to heaven, we're going to have eternity. And we won't even just touch knowing who he is but it's going to be unbelievable and we've got all eternity with no devil praise God no devil no taxes I should have got a bigger amen than that listen to this no no tears no sickness no disease no infirmity no death to be with him to know Him, and to be with one another for eternity. And He's doing everything He can to get us to get it right here. That's the reason Jesus said, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, your will be done, that indicated the will had not been done. He didn't say your will already been done. He said, your will be done. In other words, he was saying, you are going to carry out his will on this earth, which is amazing to me. So God said, you shall remember the Lord, your God, who led you all these ways 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And I was praying over that one day, and I, 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 I just looked, and I said, Lord, I said, to humble them. They'd been humbled for 400 years. So now why are you going to have to bring them into a place that you're going to humble them? He said, because of the way I brought them out. They had everything. They needed nothing. And the test is, would they keep needing me? Would they keep seeking me? Would they keep wanting me? So I brought them into a place with all of their blessing, with all of their gold, with all the silver, everything they had to show them what was in their heart. Because if you're not careful, the things that God blesses you with will cause your heart to be lifted up. And you must remember that every level of blessing and every level of prosperity and every level of success, success that God brings you into, you're going to have to deal with a level of pride. Because God told them in Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, He said, when you come in and you've got all of this stuff, and He said, when your heart is lifted up. He didn't say, if your heart. He said, when your heart is lifted up. In other words, He said, you're going to have to deal with this stuff in the flesh now. Because the flesh wants to be exalted. The flesh wants to be glorified. The flesh wants to be honored. The flesh wants to be seen. The flesh wants to have rep reputation. The flesh wants to have preeminence. 
The flesh wants to have the spotlight. But Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, came to this earth. And when He came to this earth, he, this is amazing to me. Two things that the Bible tells us about Him. Number one, He came to this earth not to be served. That's God in the flesh. He didn't come to be served. <laughs> he came to serve. That's the reason that he was always with the people. Jesus was always touching the people. He was always with the people. Always. I never will ever trust a shepherd that doesn't smell like sheep. And this man and woman, all of them right here, just reek of sheep. <laughs> I love it. I don't trust. I don't trust somebody teaching me that does not have wounds and scars and pains and grief. I don't trust somebody that's teaching me that's never been through never been to a roadblock or an obstacle or or never faced a mountain. Even Jesus himself sitting at the right hand of God, resurrected, sitting at the right hand of God still has his nail prints. Still has the place where the sword went in. And he's not ashamed of his wounds. Which means that he's not ashamed of his past. But he learned from it. He learned from it. He knows what it is to be hurt. He knows what it is to be slandered. He knows what it is to be talked about. He knows. Listen, this is the man who raised everybody just about it, that he was around from the dead except Joseph. Because most historians tell us that Joseph died. That's the reason it was only Mary. That Joseph, Joseph died. And Jesus didn't raise him from the dead. Why? Have you ever thought about that? Why would not Jesus raise his own dad from the dead? Because he's got to know what it is to lose a family member. He's got to know the hurt. He's got to know the pain. He's got to, he, he has got to know the grief that it is to, to, to go through losing a family member. Or not, if not, he cannot empathize with me. He can only sympathize with me. But the Bible says he is touched with the feelings of my infirmities because he's been through it all. So... He wants us to come back to our first love. He wants us to understand that He can bless us. He can prosper us. And He loves to do that because the Bible says He, he enjoys, He loves the prosperity of His servants. Poverty Many of you know this, but poverty in Deuteronomy 28 is a curse of the law. It's a curse. And Jesus came in Galatians, the third chapter, to deliver us from the curse. 
God brought them into the wilderness to say, you, your gold and your silver and all that you have that you got cannot buy you what you need out here. It can't supply. It, 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 it can't give you what you're going to need out here. He said, because I'm preparing you to go into a land, and we know it's a land of milk and honey, and don't, don't say that, that the promised land is like heaven because it's not. And the reason it's not because giants are in the promised land. There ain't no giants in heaven. He was preparing them to come into what we understand and know is this whole world situation. And he knew that he, they were going to face giants. He knew that they were going to be influenced by the nations to, to, and tempted to not trust God, but to be tempted to come over and to indulge and engage in their activities. And he knew that they, it was going to be like all the places that, that, uh, that he was going to send them because they were, they were at that time living in sin, that that sin was going to pull them over into a place that they wanted what they have instead of what God had for them. And we're still in this world today that is like a magnet that does everything it can social media, technology, all the things that it does to pull us into a position and a place where we're hungering more for that than we are the things of God. And why? Because the devil can paint a picture and put entertainment out there that will just that literally will stir our flesh up. And, and our eyes will look at it and we, we will be overwhelmed with it. And we look at it and go, wow, that's amazing. That's, that's great. And we can just be easily lured into exactly what the enemy wants for us. And it can look so beautiful and it can look so good. And nothing has changed since the Garden of Eden. That's exactly the way the enemy operates. He operates by the flesh. He operates outwardly to get inwardly. God works inwardly so we can manifest and help people outwardly. That's what he desires. So, 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 so he's, he, he humbled them. Why? When he got them out into the wilderness, all of their gold and silver could not buy food. There were no grocery stores. They couldn't buy new clothes. There were no malls out there. They couldn't buy, buy new shoes. They were, there was nothing there that they had all of this money. That money could not d d give them the very things that they had needed of. That's the reason that God, Jesus comes along and says, What profits a, a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? In other words, if my hunger, my thirst, and my pursuit are the things of this world, I could very easily end up losing my very soul. Does God want you to prosper? Does God want you blessed? Does God want you to pay your bills? Yes. You know why He wants you to do that? You know why He wants to bless you and prosper you? Because those who are under the curse of poverty 
and other cannot make their knee, uh, 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 they can't make their ends meet. They can't, they can't pay their bills. They can't do those things. God wants to show them that if you serve me, look at my servant. Look at my child. Look at my child. Look, look, look at the one who is serving me, who the one is putting me first place, the one that is praying and believing my word on a daily basis. Look what I am doing in their life. And I'll do the same thing for you. Just give me your life and serve me and I will take care of you. But see, that's the whole world system that we, 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 we look at and we pursue the American dream. And thank God we live in a place that we can dream and, and we can believe and, and we can see great things happen. But if you have the American dream without God, it becomes the American nightmare. With God, it's His dream. Because every nation that serves Him, every nation that looks to Him, Every nation that keeps their focus and their eyes upon Him, He will bless. He will bless. But the moment we get away from Him, the moment we don't have any, want to have anything to do with Him, moment, the moment we want to kick Him out of school, the moment we want to kick Him out of everything, is the moment He says, okay, then you handle the enemies that are coming against you on your own. That's what Israel found out. But when you put him first place, and that's what you're hungering and seeking after, I'm telling you what it will do. The Bible says these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor your fathers knew. The word manna means, what is this? It means, this is something we have never experienced before. I'm telling you right now, if you hunger and get your hunger back for God, and you'll hunger for Him, there is fresh manna. There is something that you have not experienced before. God wants to bring us into a place of a, of a position of things that we have not experienced before. We've read about it. We've heard about it. Oh, I see people going to Azusa conference. Well, that's great. But if the God of Azusa does not show up, that's the key. How did Azusa happen anyway? anyway because the, there was a man who got on his knees and he sought God and he cried out to God and he prayed in the Spirit and he believed God in a livery stable. William Seymour. Called him Daddy Seymour. African American. Got in there and started crying out, God, we need a move in, in this nation. God, we need you. 
God, I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm holding on to the altar. I'm not going to be satisfied until I see you move. See you move, God, in homes and houses and and in the streets and in churches. I'm not going to be satisfied until I see it. One man, how could that one man start such an outpouring and a revival? Because God said, I look for just one man, for one woman. I look for one body, for one people. Who will stand in the gap for a nation. I'll heal your land. I'm going to tell you right now, healing does not come from the Republicans. It does not come from the Democrats or the Libertarians. It doesn't come from the donkey or the elephant. The healing only comes from the lamb. God can use men and women in every area, in every arena... To, to, to bring His Word, to bring His message, to bring His wisdom into every single area. But our eyes, our heart, our affections, and our passions must be set on Him. Must be set on Him. Are we ashamed in our workplace... Not that you jump open your desk and start preaching. You'll be escorted out. It's not your preaching. It's your lifestyle. It's your life. Living in truth. Living in the Word. Living and saying, what does God say? What, what does God want me to do? What is His will for me right now? And to do that... You've got to take time to sit at his feet. Well, I'm so busy, Pastor. I, you just don't understand. I'm so busy. I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that. You have time for Facebook. You have time for Instagram. You have time to sit and text somebody for 30. Girl, you know what that sucker said to me the other night. You got, you got time to look up your GIFs to post and it's amazing if you go check your phone out where it tells you how much time you have spent on all the things that you spent and then tell me I don't have time for God yes you do yes you do even if it was 10 minutes or 5 minutes Just the start of the morning. Are we hungry for Him? Are we ashamed of Him? Are we ashamed to even mention His name? When everybody else can mention every name on the face of this earth... We can mention every artist. We can mention everything. Let me tell you what God did for me last night. Let me tell you what God did. God blesses us so that we can make an impact. Just just yesterday, right here in a store, in a store right right here in this city, we we walked in because God just put it on my heart. I wanted to bless Noah with some shoes. 
and he's got them all. There they are. And the Lord just put it on my heart. He said, I want you to take him just blessing with some shoes. So, so I did. So it's a new season. So, so, so I did. And the, the gentleman standing behind, uh, 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 a young black man standing behind the register, and he and I just began to conversate about some things. And um, I was just standing there and just talking to him about the favor of God. And, and uh, he said, I, 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 I'm going to find some discounts. I, I, I need to find some discounts for you. I said, okay. So he did, and he began to find some. And he did. He found discounts. It added up to 50 bucks. That's, that's called the favor of God. And when we got ready to leave, and, and I paid him, he handed me back my change, I took a $5 bill, and I looked at him, and I said, Aaron, son, God wants me to bless you. That young man, tears. He said, and, and literally started crying. He said, nobody's ever done that for me. Five dollars. Just, just... All I did was just want to bless him, and all of a sudden, we, you, we could have had revival in there. Why? Just because I was not thinking about myself. I was not just thinking about Noah. I was thinking about, God, what do you, what do you want to say through me to this young man? Because I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving because the time is short. And the Holy Spirit is moving. It, he's just got to have somebody that's hungry enough and bold enough and wild enough to look at somebody and just say, you know, God just wants me to bless you. And look at him and say, you know, God's blessed me and I want to bless you. And I can tell you how to get that blessing. He said that he, he might know, that you might know, that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives, everybody say lives, lives. by every word, every word, not just part and partial. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of the word. And listen to this, the word lives there means to have life, to remain alive, to sustain life, to live prosperly, to live forever, to be quickened, be alive, be restored to life or health. Notice this real quickly, and I'll, 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 I'll close, but notice this real quickly. God led them in the wilderness. He could have got them where he wanted to get them immediately. But see, as God is leading you, it's always not the shortest way. Sometimes we want to go to A to B, and God says, no, we're going from A to Z. The Bible says a, a, a man's mind plans his ways, but God directs his steps 
And the reason he doesn't lead us, the reason he doesn't lead us the shortest way, and the reason that he leads us into places, leads us, he leads us into places where there are roadblocks, there are red seas, there are mountains, there are difficulties. He he is not bringing those things, but he knows those things are there. And he doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't lead you around it. He leads you right up to it so you can face it and so you can look at it and say, my God is greater than what you are showing me right right now. My God is more powerful than this mountain. My God is more powerful than this Red Sea. My God can bring me here, but he's my provider. He's my Jehovah Jireh. He's greater and bigger. And the reason that he will bring us into a place that it takes a while for us to get where we want to get, even though we look at what other people have and say, I want that right now. God says, no, I'm not going to bring you the shortest way. No, I'm going to bring you because there's people that I'm going to bring across your path. They've got to know how to climb the mountain. They've got to know how, 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 how to get through this wilderness. They've got to know because there's so many in the wilderness. They've got to know and understand you've been there. You've been there and you've come out of it. He must prepare us along the way so that our successes do not produce a pride that would destroy us in the future. So therefore, there are going to be obstacles, there are going to be mountains, there are going to be roadblocks at times because we must learn how to stand firm. We must learn how to believe to see His power. We must learn how to speak to mountains. We must learn how to seek His will and His wisdom and His direction and and His plan for every roadblock. And we must learn how to do spiritual warfare to defeat the every enemy so we can declare God is great. God is good. There is nothing impossible for Him. So God took care of them in the wilderness so they would be totally dependent upon Him and not self-sufficient upon themselves to teach them Humility. Real quickly, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, listen to this. When I see so many people seeking reputation today, I see young pastors reading these magazines that said, here are the hundreds, here's the 100 fastest growing churches in America. And they're saying, God, what's wrong with me? Why can't I? I want to have that. What do I need? Give me that system. Whatever it is, I will do it. I just want to have that. I want to be seen. I want to have that reputation. I want to be known. I want to be on Daystar and TBN. And I want to be on the front of the charisma. And I want all that stuff. And the Bible says, Jesus came to this earth and made himself of no reputation. Would y'all like me real quickly to share with you how you get reputation that God would give you? You, you? That God will give you reputation? 
Because I, I don't want reputation on my own. I want, I want God to give me reputation. Here, here's how. The Bible says in Philippians, the second chapter, he made himself of no rec- reputation, and he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. Humility and not a false humility. Humility is simply this. God gave me everything. God blessed me. God blessed me. It's Him. God blessed me. Brother, how did you get this? How did you? God, God, God did this. God did this. How did you get through that? God gave me wisdom to do that. God did this. I, I will not take credit for it. God did this. Well, watch what God does. He became obedient. The Bible said if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good and fat of the land. Obedience has to do with obeying what God says in His Word, but willing, it was amazing God put that, willing and obedient. Willing has to do with your attitude. You've got to have the right attitude. What is the right attitude? Father, not my will. But your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Willing and obedience. Willing and obedient. Even to the point of death. You have to die daily to yourself. Paul said, I die daily. Because if I don't die daily, then I'm going to become self-sufficient and I'm going to be full of pride and ego. But he said, I die daily. I die daily. Which means that every day was also a resurrection. Because if you die, you got to be resurrected. There's a resurrection, there's a renewal, there's a restoration that takes every day. So he said, he said, even to the point of death, even to the point of death. Now watch this. Ready for this? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and giving him a name. You want a name? In heaven and on earth. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Do His will. And if you do His will and give Him all the credit, all the honor, and all the glory. Constantly and always. And don't be ashamed of it. But say, God, your will be done. Then God will give you a name. But He can trust you with that name. Because he knows that you're not going to glorify in that success and in that name that he gives you. That you're going to give it back to him. And you're not going to be ashamed to say, God gave me this. God blessed me with this. And when you know that God has led you and God has given you, then you won't be afraid you're going to lose it. And you won't hide it and hold on to it like they did with the manna, wondering, I might not have enough tomorrow. One of the greatest curses in our life is to worry and have anxiety that when God gives me something, I better hold on to it. i got to hold back. I can't give all of this. I can't, I can't do this because what about tomorrow? God said, I got your tomorrow. I got all your tomorrows. Give me this day my daily bread. In other words, when I get to that place, if God says, give it all away, I can give it all away knowing next morning when I get up, manna is going to be right there 
Success is going to be there. And I will take it. Humility, I wrote this down this morning. Humility is the gift and certificate given upon graduation from the schools of trials and testings. It's the badge. But always remember, for every difficult situation, trial, and circumstance, it carries with it the possibility of an equal or greater benefit and blessing. Let me read this and I'm finished. If you're hungry more for Him, I know your stomach's rumbling right now. That's because you've developed a habit we all have. It is crying out and saying, feed me. But your spirit man right now is crying out, feed me, feed me. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. For here's why. He's better than anyone could ever imagine. Yes, he's always so loving and kind, it never ends. So go ahead, let everybody, let everyone know it. Tell the world how he break through, broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness. And he has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. Some of us once wandered in the wilderness like the desert nomads with no true direction or dwelling place. Starving, thirsting, staggering. We became desperate and filled with despair. Then we cried out, Lord, help us. Rescue us. And he did. He led us right into a place of safety and abundance. A suitable city to dwell in. So lift your hands. And thank God for His marvelous kindness, for all of His miracles of mercy for those who He loves. How He satisfies the souls of the thirsty ones and fills the hungry with all that is good. Some of us once sat in darkness, living in the dark shadows of death. We were prisoners to our pain, chained to our regrets. For we rebelled against God's Word and rejected the wise counsel of the Most God Most High. So He humbled us through our circumstances, watching us as we stumbled with no one there to pick us back up. Our own pain became our punishment. Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us, and He did. His light broke through the darkness and He led us out in freedom from death's dark shadows and snapped every one of our chains. So lift your hands and give thanks to the God for His marvelous kindness and all of His miracles of mercy for those He loves. For He smashed through the heavy prison doors, shattered the steel bars that held us back just to set us free. Some of us were such fools bringing on ourselves sorrow and suffering because of our sins. Sick, sick, feeble, unable to stand at the sight of food. We drew near to the gates of death and then we cried out, Lord, Help us. Rescue us. And he did. And God spoke the words, Be healed. And they were healed and delivered from death's door. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness, for his miracles of mercy for those he loves. Bring your praise and an offering and your thanks as a sacrifice. And listen to this. And sing your story of miracles with a joyful song. 
so that everybody can hear your song. Would you just stand up and give him some praise right now?